The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world qualified to be speaker of the house. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, what do you think? This thing is going to go extras? Uh, I think it would only take a, like two or three votes for us. I, I feel like people, I've been reading the reviews of the pod. You know, we've got some criticism, but generally people are on board. I feel like we could get through. Lauren Boebert is a huge fan. I uh, cannot confirm, will not confirm. Uh, thank you for joining us here on this episode of Baseball Barbacast. We were blessed with some legitimately big baseball news in the less than 48 hours uh, between <laughs> podcast recordings that we've been doing. Of course, we had a little bit later show this week due to travel, but Rafael Devers will be a Boston Red Sox for a very, very, very long time. This has uh, been one of the biggest stories of the offseason of the, the past season plus, I would say, and probably would have been even bigger had the Aaron Judge uh, extension discussions and free agency discussions not been overshadowing the market and the the East Coast uh, media discourse as a whole. But it has happened, Rafael Devers. Before we get to who broke the news and all that stuff, let's talk about the facts, which is that Devers and the Red Sox will remain a partnership (laughs) leading forward into this strange new era of Red Sox baseball. 11 years, 331 million dollars. I love this. I am so happy for Rafael Devers. He is exactly the kind of player that I would want to build my team around for so many reasons. Have the Red Sox already had players that they probably should have built around? Yes, of course. But that doesn't make Rafael Devers any less worthy. And for what he has become and for how long he has already been a big part of Red Sox culture since he came up and you know he still looks <laughs> extremely young and, and lovable. He's one of my favorite players in the league, and, and I couldn't be happier for him. Let's talk about what this means for the Red Sox, and then we'll dive into Devers specifically. Chaim Bloom, the general manager of this team and fellow member of the Jewish faith, shouts out to Chaim. Um, I, I hope he had a, a happy L'chaim. Hanukkah. Yeah. L'chaim to Chaim. Yeah. He uh, has received a whole lot of criticism over this offseason and during his tenure for a failure or lack of willingness to, one, spend big, and two, keep beloved players around. The first thing that he did as the general manager or president of baseball operations or head honcho of baseball for the Boston Red Sox was trade Mookie Betts away. Okay? I I wrote about this for Fox this morning. It is the baseball executive equivalent of showing up to your new neighbor's house or like being a new neighbor knocking on the door and giving you dog shit as a welcome gift. Hi, I'm new here. I'm in charge of your favorite team. That thing that you really love, it's gone now. 
Yeah. Thanks for having me. Right. Or it's like we're knocking on your neighbor's door and they have this beloved dog and they're like, hey, oh, it's so good to meet you. That dog you love, actually gone. That's now, they they actually gave it away to someone that lives on the other side of the country. Sorry. Nice to meet you, but that's a thing that's happening now. (laughs) So that happened and that trade has basically officially been bungled now in terms of the players I got back. Right. Now that Jeter Downs is no longer in the organization. So that happens. 2020 is a super weird wash for the Red Sox. 2021, they have a whirlwind run to the ALCS and they get two games away. It all felt very fluky, but it was incredible at the time. 2022, total disaster. And then Xander Bogarts leaves. And when you turn the clock back to 2018 and you look at the Red Sox and Bogarts, Devers, and Betts, you could legitimately envision all three of them wearing a Red Sox hat on a Cooperstown plaque in the Mm -hmm. Hall of Fame. That is not out of the realm of possibility. If you look at the tracks that they were on then and that they're on now, these guys are top 10 active players likely to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I know that sounds kind of nuts to say, but that was true. And they were all in the Red Sox. And the first two of them, Bloom just let leave or traded away, right? And so there was this doubt within the Red Sox fan base that they would do the necessary thing to keep Devers around. And that was an understandable fear. Like the team had let these two other generational, beloved, homegrown talents walk. And what the Boston Red Sox should be doing is spending their buckets of money on the homegrown players that the fan base loves who are really good. And so I think as recently as five days ago, very few people believed that the Sox were going to do the necessary thing to get this done, that these two sides seemed really far apart that Devers was just going to hit free agency and and leave just like Bogarts did. And so I think the news yesterday came as a bit of a shock to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. At the same time, I think the context of every extension is different. And I know we're, we'll be quick to compare this to other extensions and why this costs this compared to this. And But everything is different. It's not just that every player is different and that every player is a different distance from free agency. And that every player has a different connection with the fan base and every player has a different desire to want to stay on the team. Because it does seem like, in the same way with Judge, it's like, yeah, hell yeah, I know what I'm worth, but I do love being here. I think that was a factor here uh, with Devers. But I want to kind of rewind as you kind of gave us that, that timeline. The other key thing that you glossed over there is the 2020 season was one of the most masterful tank jobs in recent baseball history. Because finishing... And with the fourth worst record in the stupid season that no one cared about and no one was there to see or watch is basically the best possible time. I know the Red Sox have fluctuated like crazy, but that was the exact year to be crappy and to rebuild your farm system. And that is important because of what they did the next year, which is draft Marcelo Meyer with the fourth pick. Now, that was lucky in and of itself, arguably, because Marcelo Meyer was arguably the top prospect in the draft, and he fell to number four. The reason I bring that up is I think Marcelo Meyer is a legitimately big part of this conversation. He's one of the best prospects in baseball. I think if this was a year later, if he was a year higher into the minors, he would be part of this discourse a lot more than the fact that he was in A-ball this year. But this is someone who could be one of the top five prospects in baseball at this time next season. And if you're looking at Bloom's vision, I agree. These are, there have been some weird transactions. There have been some bad trades. I, I'm totally there. There's criticism that is worthy to be thrown in his direction as to how he's built this team. But if you look at where it kind of where they're going moving forward and how they can build a team, 
building it around Devers makes a lot of sense. He they don't have another third obvious third baseman that makes sense. They we saw the improvements that he made defensively to be a competent third baseman on top of one of the best young hitters in baseball. We know they have Cassis at first base. We know they have a, 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 well Jeter Downs is obviously out of the equation now, but they did just sign Trevor Story who seems like more of a middle infield stopgap to play short a little bit, but also could, as we saw, move back to second base reasonably soon. And then they have this guy, Marcelo Meyer, who if I'm high in bloom, and I I do understand that people love Xander Bogarts, but if I don't believe Xander Bogarts is going to be a great shortstop in five years, then and I have one who I do believe is going to be a great shortstop in two years, then no, I'm not going to give Xander Bogarts 10 years, 11 million, 11 years for a bajillion dollars. Of course, that doesn't make any sense for what he's envisioning, but that all only makes sense if you do extend Devers, and they did. And so that Correct. is all kind of coming together. There are still a lot of questions with this roster. It still doesn't line up with the same kind of talent that Boston, that Toronto and obviously the Yankees have right now. But it all makes a lot more sense if you have Devers in place. And I have to give them credit for getting that done. Absolutely. I think one of the biggest critiques of the Chaim Bloom era in Boston is the so-called tampification of the way the team is being run. Bloom was in charge of the Rays for a while. And as we know, the Rays are this hyper-efficient, find value at the fringes, save money everywhere we can because our owner gives us seven shekels to run the team every season. And Bloom then copied and pasted that to Boston, but Boston is not Tampa. And some of their woes were the organization's unwillingness to do the aggressive move, to spend the big bucks, right? They were finding these fringe players at the edges, like Michael Waka was a big success. Kike Hernandez was a big success. Mm -hmm. I like the Justin Turner signing. But all that only makes sense if you have the superstar play players exactly. to be the centerpiece of it. And they went and did that. And so what's funny for me is 48 hours ago, I looked at the Red Sox offseason and I was like, Corey Kluber, Kenley Jansen, Justin Turner, <laughs> that's underwhelming. And now that they've paid Devers, I'm like, those are some good moves, which mm -hmm. is particularly funny because Devers was already going to be on the team next year. This doesn't change anything for 2023. Yes. But it makes everything in Red Sox world feel, feel rosier and lighter and more optimistic because it seems now there's this understanding that the organization knows what it's doing and at least has a plan, right? Yes. And again, as I mentioned this with, I because I just feel it's so relevant for the, for the Mariners offseason, it's just the sequencing thing, right? Like since everyone has been screaming at them to extend Devers, right? Had they done it during the season, it would have been an accomplishment, right? But in the offseason, we're much more focused on the transactions and the results. And if they had extended Devers and they had the same shitty second half, and then they went into the offseason, had the same offseason, and Devers was already extended, but then Bogarts had been, maybe it would have been easier to let Bogarts go. But still, in this case, we have this weird offseason, but the, to have this be kind of the exclamation point makes everyone feel a little bit better going to spring training in a way that they wouldn't have had they extended him on the first day of the offseason. So it's just a weird thing. I mean, fan, like how we react to these things are very strange and how we how we take in offseasons and how we judge free, like, like the full plan. I mentioned it with the Mariners because they extended Julio and Luis Castillo, which are incredible accomplishments, and yet we are not counting that as anything they've accomplished this offseason. Um, and so there's a lot of versions of that across the league where nothing, it just all looks different depending on the order of events, the order of operations. Last but, thing yeah. Yeah. on the Red Sox before we switch to Devers. Yeah. Why do you think they chose him? Do you mm -hmm. think that when Chaim Bloom showed up at the end of 2019, 
there was a meeting with ownership or team president or whatever. And the conversation was, here's how much money we are willing to spend over the next 15 years on Betts, Bogart's endeavors. Who do we want to keep and why? I'm curious, do you think they've made the right move in picking Devers or not? I think Mookie was the right move, but I think there is a legitimate argument for Devers over Bogarts, just considering considering age and considering like what I just described is is just the the roster construction that they're at right now and and what their what their prospects look like and what the kind of the rest of the long-term commitments look like. At the same time, like I said, like the context is relevant here. Like there's no way that John Henry getting booed at the Winter Classic. <laughs> I'm not saying they shamed him into doing this, but like they are also aware of how the fans feel. And I'm sure that I, I would guess that this number that they agreed to was higher than the number that the spreadsheet told them. Right. Like I would Has guess that. And they and they, and that's good. That's that's the point. That's what we are. That's what they are begging Bloom and 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 all everyone that runs the Red Sox to do is to go beyond to keep the players they love. And they they decided they weren't going to do anything close to that for Bogarts. And honestly, the Padres made that decision easy for them because Correct. they went so far beyond that it was like, well, this isn't even a question for us. We're not going to suddenly up this offer like crazy. Whereas Devers, you had more wiggle room. There was clearly already negotiating going on. And they were able to kind of push it to that level. I think it's the right one. And, and again, like I said, we can't just say, oh, well, because they didn't keep bets that this is a failure because they only kept Devers. Like, no, this is still a success. I'm glad they did this. Yeah. I, if I was a Red Sox fan, I would just say, why not both? Right. Yeah. Well, of especially course. two out of three. And the number that bets ended up getting from the Dodgers is not that much higher. No, no, I know. Well, this is what I'm saying. What the, got. the bets thing you can't undo, right? And but that's the other thing is like the the context of that trade and that the timing of that, and then followed by the the weird 2020 season. Like, there's so much weird shit that's happened yeah, since yeah, yeah. Bloom's got there that, like, of course I agree. I'm not, this doesn't undo that, duh, right? Um, but no, it's. I think it it did. I think it informed the the urgency with which they got this done, and that's fine. That's not a bad thing. I think the most alluring and attractive thing about Devers that made them comfortable giving him so many years is he is still a child. He <laughs> will play the 2023 season at 26 years old. Yeah. Okay. Just turned 26 a few months ago. Just turned 26 a few months ago. I tweeted this out last night. He is 333 days older than Jeremy Pena, who burst <laughs> onto the scene in 2022 and got rookie of the year votes. Okay, yeah. Rafael Devers has been one of the best hitting third baseman in the world for like the last four years. Yes. And he's and, still a child. And, this and that good... means that this contract will run in what? Until he's 37? 30, yep, 37. Through, through his age 37 season, um, through 2034. And uh, this is a good to talk about just who he is now, right? I mean, there are his, the early start of his career, he comes up and he, you know, debuts when he is 20 and he is on, he's 21 on the 2018 Red Sox. And he has, you know, the, the 18 regular season, his sophomore year was not that good. He had some more moments in the postseason, but then 2019 is one of the historic great seasons for a 22 year old or under. I mean, he had, he had 90 extra base hits, which I think it was only done by like a rod and I think Mel Ott are the only ones who had more extra base hits as a younger player. And so at that point, it was like, holy shit, this is unbelievable. And then 2020 season, whatever. I mean, he was good, but who knows? That was the horrific Red Sox team that nobody was watching. I wouldn't be motivated to play hard for at that point then. 
And then I was not motivated you know, to. I was not motivated to do anything. To do anything, and let alone to like be a great major league hitter. Yeah, I didn't do that. And then you know the last two seasons, he's kind of rebounded to you know one thirty-seven OPS plus over the last two years. He's been extremely durable. That's another thing you have to give him credit for. You know, yes, he. Obviously, his his athleticism and weight has kind of been a topic over the over the course of the his career. But this is also relevant to another guy who's now going to get ta- talked about extension wise in Vlad Jr. Is that Devers figured out how to stay at third, right? And it's possible Vlad Jr. would have figured out how to stay at third too. But Devers did it in a way that made a huge difference. Like he is a third baseman, and that is a huge difference than being a first baseman DH, especially when you're still in your mid twenties. And as a hitter, sure, maybe Vlad Jr. is a little bit higher ceiling, a little bit better. But Devers is as 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 reliable as it gets. He is one of the most gifted bat to ball guys you you have in the whole league. So much fun to watch, and he's obviously also just a perfect fit for that ballpark. The way that he that he swings the bat. Let's dig into his defense a little bit. I think you make a great point. He will never win a Gold Glove. I remember making a comment or a joke to him when we saw him at spring training last year when he was doing infield drills. I was like, yeah, glove this year. And he kind of laughed and was, you know, bantering about it. But he was much, much better in 2022 than he was in previous seasons. And I would imagine that he recognized that he needed to maintain a level of competency. He's never going to be an elite defender, but being a below average 40 grade B B minus C plus level defender at third base is very valuable if you can also post a 138 OPS plus. That's a big, yeah. big deal. It's why they extend like they, they're not extending him if he's already at first base. It's not happening, right? Like right. if he doesn't have this defensive improvement in this past year, it's just not happening. And um, I think it's, it's fair to, yeah. sh- to throw mm-hmm. some skepticism on him at third base, mm-hmm. considering how meh he was for the majority of his career. And I am more skeptical than anyone about defensive metrics and how valid they are. But I think his improvements in 2022 passed the eye test. And I think we can see, we can infer by the Red Sox giving him the money that they believe a combination of his athleticism. It's easy to be like, oh, big guy, he's a lazy, fat baseball player. But like, he's obviously an incredible athlete, right? So his athleticism his work ethic and his improvements in 2022 make them believe that he will be able to play third base for at least another five seasons Mm -hmm. or else they would not have given him this many years and this much money. And so I, in this situation, am willing to trust the Red Sox because they're the ones who are around him every day. They're the ones who saw his improvement at third base in 2022. And they're the ones who are going to keep facilitating that improvement or maintaining his defensive level into the future. And so... Mm -hmm. While I understand people's skepticism about his glove, I fall very much on the optimistic side of the ledger there. Totally agree. Um, and I think, yeah, you, you, and you might be looking right now and being like, well, he was still you know, 24th percentile outs of average. He's still negative defensive or like he is way better than he was and way more passable. And like you said, totally passes the eye test. If you watched him last season, he looked so much more comfortable, so many more, just especially throwing. He had so many dumb throwing errors earlier in his career that I feel like he's kind of curtailed in a very impressive way. So I'm a, I'm a huge believer. And, and yeah, I mean, as far as just aesthetic hitters, there's it's a very short list of guys that are as fun to watch literally swing the bat because he is in, in in a similar way to sort of like Jose Ramirez like he's swinging at everything 
I had a, a good stat when I wrote about him earlier this summer that he has more extra base hits on pitches out of the strike zone than anyone else in the league over the last five seasons by like a ton. Like he's <laughs> he is finding a way to barrel balls anywhere and it's great on top of just like all the faces. He, he has like kind of the Juan Soto like in the box. You can tell he's thinking so hard, but also having so much fun and like getting really mad at himself when he's missing pitches down the middle. He's very expressive and he's just a delight to watch. And that's also why like, yeah, like that he is someone you want to pay to go watch. The same way they said about Betts. And honestly, you could say even more than you would say about Bogarts as good as he was. He is so, so, so likable. And, and I'm glad that Red Sox fans will still have him. Do you know how in movies, old older movies especially, seeing hot, famous actors and actresses smoking cigarettes makes you want to have a cigarette? Mm, like, mm -hmm. cigarettes look cool as hell in movies. That's right? true. And you see them and you're like, I want one. Mm -hmm. And that is a well-documented thing. Seeing Raphael Devers with a potato-sized clump of chaw in his mouth at the plate is the, oh, one of the only things in the world. Top-tier dipper. Yeah, One of the only things in the world that makes me want to throw in a dip. He makes it look more fun and appealing than any other baseball player I have ever seen. And it's, it's because true. he is somehow smiling through the chaw. Right. Mm -hmm. He is like he is finding a way to like not swallow his dip spit while also smiling at the same time. It is a very unique baseball player has too much dip in his mouth profile. Yeah. This is very gross. And I will say there <laughs> has been it's you definitely while guys are still doing it, you definitely see it less egregiously as much as even five, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, for a lot of reasons, of course, that we don't have to get into. Um, but the point is, is uh, you're so right. And he's one of the more prolific dippers we have in the game. And Sorry, it doesn't, it's funny because it doesn't perfectly like match the rest of his very <laughs> kind of childish personality. Before we take a break, let's talk about two more aspects of the Devers deal. So Rafi was set to become a free agent after the 2023 season. And what that means is that the 2023 free agent class is looking more barren than the Sahara Desert. Besides, it is Shohei Otani and a bunch of guys. Yeah, well, here's really, I mean, I, I was looking at it a little more closely last night and it, it It is, yes, generally you're right. It is Otani. And the other big one that we'll just mention quickly is that, yes, Manny Machado could opt out. But honestly, it's the, it's the dearth of hitters because it is actually a lot of potentially interesting pitchers if they are having good seasons, which you can never count on. But pitching-wise, you've got, not beyond Otani, you've got Giolito, you've got Urias, you've got Nola, you've got Severino, um, like that there there could it could be a lot of of pitch or you you're not impressed you're not impressed by that I'm not impressed by that any more than I'm impressed by what we just saw with Verlander DeGrom Rodon I mean it's not those better. Are younger it, the, all those guys are closer to what Carlos Rodon is than like the Verlander DeGrom thing is like they're like their own category but and they I, were I feel on like, the market 
No, I know. I know. I understand that. I'm just saying it comparing like all of those guys are much closer to be compared in the way that like Verlander, comparing Verlander to Grom and Rodon was like they were all their own. Like, I think there's a, a version where Urias, Giolito, Nola, and Severino are all all-stars and are all much closer and similarly aged. And it's like, a, it is a much more interesting comparison pitching wise, let alone Otani. But no, I agree with you. Yeah, there's no hitters. It's Reese Hoskins. It's Matt Chapman. It's maybe Machado if he opts out. It's that's it. Ian Happ. Is he is Ian Happ going to get a hundred million dollars? I'd love that to go to go Ian Happ. Um, but I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's certainly a lot uh, thinner than we, than 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 it was this year. There's no like big four shortstops. I hope you're not ready for that. We were just going to be talking about Otani. Next offseason, if you're a free agency focused writer, is going to be a great time to go on sabbatical. <laughs> I'm going to pre-write my Machado doesn't opt out piece. I'm going to pre-write my Giants sign Reese Hoskins piece, and then I'm going to move to the Dominican Republic and write a book. That is my plan for next offseason. Now, as for other free, now maybe some of these guys extend, and that's another part of this that is a part of this conversation, is that as soon as someone signs an extension, we always say, all right, who's next? Who's it going to be? And it is notable that if you look around at the youngest players, the youngest, you know, great players in the league, it's we're running out of guys that haven't signed an extension yet. Juan Soto is the obvious one. And at this point, it's just not fucking happening. I mean, Peter Seidler proved me wrong, but I really do not think that Scott Boris is going to pass up the Juan Soto free agency under basically any circumstance. And I don't think Juan Soto is either. So we'll move that one aside. And then the other ones are the Blue Jays, right? I mean, it's Vlad Jr. and Bo Bichette are the next kind of ones that it looks like, you know, Vlad's still three years from free agency, but it seems like that's there has already been some whispers about about him wanting an extension and the Blue Jays maybe wanting to get it done. Uh, and so that's I, I think that is is the next one to watch. Um, but but it's it's hard to tell with these. Again, there's so many different contexts that, that go into these extensions that we can. It's very, very difficult to predict. Uh, and so I, I it's, it's hard to really say. The other one that comes to my mind, obviously, is Adley Rushman. Mm, yeah, especially now that Julio Rodriguez got yeah. his enormous bag of money and tons of years. But it is interesting that that's where our brains go. Ten years ago, you would never even consider, oh, well, they're going to extend the rookie catcher. Right. right. But now, <laughs> considering where the game has gone, it's such a huge part of it. The last thing with Devers Jordan, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the first time we saw Rafael Devers in person. <laughs> I want to do a little story time. Can you paint me a word picture? Please. I can. I can. Let's take us, let's take us, take us down to Salem, Virginia in the summer of 2016. Jake and I heading into our senior years of college. We were doing a road trip, which we were doing every, every summer. We were driving around the American uh, landscape, watching as much minor league baseball, mostly minor league baseball as possible. And 2016 was our, our greatest uh, achievement yet. We drove to San Diego, California from our homes in DC for the all-star game. But first we drove to Portland, Maine, because that made sense. Um, But we drove to San Diego and back. And on that trip, early in that trip, we stopped in Salem, Virginia, home of the Salem Red Sox, the then high A affiliate of the Boston Red Sox, where a 19-year-old Rafael Devers was hanging out and hitting 300 and wearing braces (laughs) <laughs> and we, they at Salem, they have a little mini Fenway, a little wiffle ball park down the left field line. And we showed up and we said, hey, we would love to do a video with Raphael Devers 
um, and whoever else wants to join. <laughs> and we would love to hit some wiffle balls. Uh, or so we had we had wiffle balls. We had some of these like kind of uh, these foam uh, baseballs and, and of course wiffle ball bat. And we said, hey. Rafael Devers, at this point, you know, obviously his his English was limited, so he did he wasn't going to want to do too many, you know, actual spoken words. He's like, hey, doesn't need to say a word. Just come hang out and hit hit these with us, you know, four hours before game time. And they're like, sure. It was incredible. <laughs> Looking back on it, we went to the media people there and we said, Rafael Devers, with us, 25 minutes at your mini Fenway, bag of balls. He just has to freaking smile. And yeah. screw we're around. just going to underhand these pitches to him and he just needs to hit him as hard as he can. And we're not, that's, that's uh, he doesn't have to, that's all we need. And they're like, yeah, sure. And, and apparently he was like, yeah, all right, sounds good. It was perfect because at the time his English was very limited. My Spanish was more limited than it is now, which is pretty limited. Non-existent. <laughs> and so we were just kind of, and, and, and at the time, like we were only, I was 20, I think you were 21. Yep. And so we were just kind of these three dumb kids at this field in rural Virginia, gesturing at one another in baseball language. And it was a great freaking time. And every time that we see Devers now, he recognizes us and remembers us from that day. And it, it was just, it's such this, this funny memory of like, yeah, I will tell my grandchildren if they live in Boston that, you know, like that guy that retired number. Yeah, we hit wiffle balls together. Yeah, in Virginia. Because, like you said, like I've thought about that. Like early in his career, you know, he's in the big leagues the next season, um, and like he's he, like you said, he is a top ten Hall of Fame track guy, um, and that is amazing and hilarious. And he's 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 great. And he he's but again, like it tracks. Like he everything that he looked like and was enjoying. And you, we can post a clip of this video. Like you can go watch this. Like it's the same way. Like he looks like he's doing the same thing. Like now he's just doing it in the big leagues all the time. Right. And, and he, uh, I feel very fortunate that we got to do that. Then and now he exudes joy. And I think yeah. that is a big part of why this fan base loves him so much. Besides the fact that he is one of the best third basemen in the world <laughs> is that when you watch Rafael Devers play, it makes you love watching baseball. It is fun to see him do things in a way that not all great baseball players are like that. No one's ever watched a video of Anthony Rendon do anything, right? And been like, wow, this sport is for me forever. But if you watch Rafael Devers complete a task on a baseball field, it makes you want to watch more of it. It is addicting, right? Yep. And I think that is why that connection between the fan base and him has grown so strong and why the Red Sox keeping him around until you and I have multiple children <laughs> is a good thing for all parties involved. All right, let's take a little break and go vote on the Speaker of the House, and we will be right back after this. Negro Leagues Baseball Museum President Bob Kendrick hosts the SiriusXM original podcast, Black Diamonds. The Negro Leagues didn't care what color you were, and they didn't care what gender you were. Can you play? Hear stories of the leagues and legends that shape sport, culture, and society. That's why the museum is so important. It's like, we are never going to forget you. Episodes of the award-winning Black Diamonds are now available wherever you get your podcasts. We're not talking about balls and strikes. We're talking about your life. And we're back here on Baseball Barbacast. Ah, we're still not Speaker of the House, but maybe someone else will be today. Jordan, I would vote for you, man. 
podcasters of the house, it us. Um, please, Does Barry please. Bonds get enough votes today? <laughs> no, he can. He can become on the uh, yeah on the on the heirs committee or whatever. I'm sure that'll that'll get him in. Uh, all right, let's talk about Carlos Baerga. Naturally, didn't think Ooh. we'd have this discussion when the offseason started. Uh, so Carlos Baerga, uh, former uh, major league infielder, great career, by the way. Really have appreciated kind of digging into his baseball reference page over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Carlos Baerga, of course, you know, a 16-year, a 15-year major league career, um, mostly with Cleveland, a two-time All-Star, three-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, one of one of the one of the faces of those of those mid-90s Cleveland teams. Um, you know, switch hitter, uh, and one of, you know, one of the, one of the better, you know, Puerto Rican players of, of his generation, a really, really good player. Uh, but now Carlos Baerga is frequently posting, by the way, I mean, he's posting like 60 things on Instagram a day, so you might be missing some of them, but he has been putting out relatively accurate pieces of information about the major league baseball free agent market and occasionally trades. The big one, this happened during the winter meetings and we like mentioned it and we all kind of were like, what? And then we kind of moved on, which was that he appeared to be first on the Justin Verlander to the Mets scoop with the exact dollar amount as well. And now uh, yesterday he uh, put out a tweet or an Instagram post because that is where his, his medium uh, basically saying exactly what the Devers extension was going to be. Now, since this has happened and everyone was citing, oh my God, Bayerga first, Bayerga first, it came out that there was a, another uh, reporter, um, uh, Dominican reporter, who uh, Moises Fabian, who had tweeted this out as well uh, the day before this extension broke on the 3rd, and it was like, oh, maybe it was him, maybe Carlos Bayerga just saw it here. The point is, is that Carlos Bayerga seems to be kind of dipping his toes into these scoop waters. And what do you think about this? Because it is quite a strange uh, sequence and, and narrative to watch here this offseason. I think our discussion of Bayerga, before we do that, we need to talk about how you and I feel about scoop life. <laughs> oh, yes, this is good. Uh, scoops are both incredibly stupid because no one remembers who got what except for Jordan and the people scooping. But it is also very funny to watch and track and think about like when someone scoops Heyman on a Boris client, that's fun. That's like a good little thing. And everyone loves their passing bombs and everyone likes their Rosenthal, whatever's right. It's fun, but it is also stupid. And it is not something that Jordan and I would ever want to dedicate our lives to. Ever. Yes, Although sure. every once in a while, I would like to get a scoop just for the lulz. Yes, anyway, back to yes. Bayerga. The thing that comes to my mind is why is the Bayerga thing notable? It's notable because it is so different than what we have come to expect mm -hmm. from breaking news in baseball. Mm -hmm. And that is because one, it's on Instagram, <laughs> which is not where baseball news bubbles out. It has always been on Twitter. And so the sheer fact that people are not quote tweeting Bayerga being like Bayerga reports or Bayerga says, it's like, screenshots of his Instagrams, that feels weird and kind of janky to yep. our expectations. That's number one. Number two is that he's a former player, okay? When you look at the people breaking news, usually it is these fellow nebbish looking Jews who are reporters, <laughs> right? And maybe that is why we should get into the game. Shouts out to the <laughs> mishpucha. But like Passin, Rosenthal, Nightingale, Joel Sherman, um, Heyman, Heyman right? like this, this, 
this, they're these white guys with glasses who are between the ages of 42 and 65 who don't look like they've ever picked up a baseball glove in their life, right? And Carlos Baerga, like you said, was a MLB all-star. <laughs> and then the last reason it is different, frankly, is that it is all in Spanish and that he does not look like these gringos who write for these big publications. He is a doing a Spanish language Instagram account mm-hmm. that is different than what we've come to expect. And now I think part of that is understandable. And then part of that is like the Anglo Anglo centricness of baseball media to which we obviously contribute in our own way that it is not what people are, where people are expecting news to come from. Now it, there are obviously other Spanish language reporters that break news all the time. And, you know, people quote Hector Gomez and um, Enrique Rojas, et cetera, et cetera. But Bayerga being a former player makes it feel very different to me. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think the other thing, though, is this is why it does matter. This is why I agree with you and you say nobody remembers, except that people do remember that he had Verlander. And so when he puts it out there, that is when it's someone, when it is one of the not big reporters, it is an auto ticket to credibility for some amount of time if you are actually the one that puts it out there first. And and that you can argue that that's extremely stupid and we shouldn't be trusting people based on one piece of information that they got right. That's totally fair. I, I, I'll listen to that. But I think that is where it does matter because it doesn't take much. It just takes one big scoop for everyone to be like, oh shit, wait, he might actually know things. You know, and that's that's where I think it, it does become interesting. But to your, you're totally right. That, that it's coming from such a, an, an, a both a familiar and unfamiliar source uh, that that and and admittedly you know if you look at his Instagram account and you don't speak Spanish like there's so much on there that you might not be able to differentiate between what he's reporting between what is oh like he's just putting it out there as like an announcement the way that Bleacher Report says that Xander Bogarts has signed with the Padres like they're not reporting that they're just posting it and saying that it right. has happened. There's versions of that too that he's doing. And so it's interesting. It's But you're totally right that it does become just, we're just not as familiar with it. And at the same time, like I just think it's objectively funny because of who he is as a player and and the fact that he, well, he is around. He does some, he does some Cleveland Guardians media stuff too. You'll see him on some of the post-game stuff there. It's not like he's come out of complete like silence to suddenly start breaking news, but it is an interesting um, a guy to kind of have. And I, to me, it's just a fun character to kind of add into the, the off-season uh, mess. It's a departure from the norm, and we always appreciate that. Carlos Bayerga, come on the show and give us all <laughs> of your sources. Enough Rafael Devers chat. Yeah. Let's move on to the other big news. Eric Hosmer. Eric Hosmer. Uh, I actually think that the, the easiest way to do this is really what, what Bleacher Nation, a great, great Cubs source and one of my favorite followers on Twitter, like, Honestly, if you feel really strongly about this in either direction, you're probably doing it wrong. I think Eric Hosmer is, as we mentioned a couple weeks ago when he got DFA'd, he's not nearly as bad as you think he is. But I understand why people were frustrated with him. We got some good insight from a Padres fan 
uh, this week that was basically like, look, the difference between him and Myers, even though statistically they were pretty similar hitters, is that Hosmer was extremely stubborn and was like, no, like I'm an all-star. I'm getting paid a ton. Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna change anything about my swing. I'm not gonna change anything about my approach. I'm gonna do my thing. I'm not gonna adjust to anything. I'm gonna keep hitting the ball into the ground and occasionally having an extra base hit. And that's good because that works for me and that's whatever. Now you have a different situation, right? Like now he's a little bit more incentivized to change or to find a way to be a little bit of a different hitter. At the same time, maybe not. Maybe he'll just keep being Eric Hosmer, and that's fine. He's making the minimum. He's a good, you know, stopgap for hopefully, you know, Matt Mervis and whoever else they have coming up in their system. And like, whatever, it's fine. Like the Cubs have tried to get some more adults in the room, uh, and Cody Bellinger. Uh, and I think, uh, I think this is still a floor raiser for them. I think Eric Hosmer's totally fine. They're not really paying him anything, right? All, yeah. all the Padres money is still coming from the Padres. And so if yeah. you're a Cubs fan for the, you know, 5% chance, Eric Hosmer turns the clock back and starts hitting the ball in the air. It's worth paying him the minute. <laughs> yeah. And I guess my point is like, I, I understand that he has not been the most, he clearly is a little, a little bit stubborn, but at the same time, like we, we need to be careful with conflating bad contracts with bad players. Like that's not, it. he's not, he does not become a worse player because the Padres paid him more than what he probably deserved. So that's what I'll say. He's fine. He's a totally fine first baseman. Um, so that's the Cubs signing Eric Cosmer. Speaking of first Speaking baseman. Speaking of totally yeah. fine first baseman. Speaking of totally fine first baseman, but way more lovable. Dom Smith has signed with the Washington Nationals. The Washington the Washington Reclamation Projects uh, roll on as they have just brought in every former prospect. And, you know, they're bringing in Jamer Candelario, hoping he can find his his magic. You know, they're bringing in claiming Jeter Downs. You know, they're claiming other former prospects. They signed Anthony Bonda. But Dom Smith is the perfect guy to bring in and to play first base. Let Joey Manessis rake at DH. Joey Manessis. Shouts out to Joey Manessis. We love Dom Smith, and I hope he figures it out there. I just let the guy play. Maybe he's not that good, but let's actually let him find out. Right. The Nats... The 2023 Nats would dominate the 2017 Eastern League Double A. <laughs> yeah, they're they're at uh they're they're building quite quite the super team uh, in that sense. But yeah, I mean, I I just I just I, I, Dom ended up in such a, a weird spot. And look, admittedly, it's it's totally possible that his huge 2020 was in a, was a total mirage. It's very possible, very possible. Um, but because based on his 2021, which was really, really disappointing, that may be, may be the case, but I just felt like, you know, ultimate change of scenery candidate. And it seems like he's just going to play every day for the Nets and that's cool. Um, and I'm, I'm rooting for the guy. So go Dom Smith, go, uh, other, uh, no other big moves, obviously, you know, the Brewers finally signed a free agent. They signed Wade Miley. He's already been there. Just some, some rotation depth. Wade Miley's been sneaky, really good the last two years, somehow, despite striking out six guys per nine. That's super weird. D-back signed Zach Davies. Don't care about Zach Davies. Wish the D-back signed. Like, what? honestly, I would have wished the D-back signed Wade Miley. <laughs> like, like, that's the kind of guy I would have felt way better at in terms of fortifying their rotation. Whatever, Zach Davies. I don't think he's very good. And it seems like Johnny Cueto is going to sign soon. So maybe we'll have that to talk about next week. We love Johnny Cueto uh, on the show. And, and I, I hope that it seems like Padres and Marlins are interested there. Maybe a Reds reunion. That would be fun. I would love that. <laughs> if I'm going to be going to a bunch of Reds games this year, I would love to see Johnny Cueto there. But any other uh, any other moves uh, that, that, that tickle your fancy? I mean, not, not, not a whole lot besides the Devers thing. Pretty quiet, pretty sleepy. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to a move that maybe you didn't see. 
maybe you didn't hear about. This comes courtesy of our friends at Lockdown Orioles, hosted by the one and only Connor Newcomb. It is an Orioles podcast. The Orioles hired a gentleman by the name of Cal Perry. Who is Cal Perry? Cal Perry is their new chief content officer, senior vice president. He comes, I believe, from NBC, where he was working before. Cal Perry is a Baltimorean. Cal Perry, who now works for the Orioles, has a bunch of old tweets that were uncovered of him absolutely shitting on current and then Orioles ownership. These tweets are back from April of 2017. I'm just going to read one out loud. Cal Perry, the current uh, Orioles senior vice president. April, April, whoa, April 2010. Hold on. This is very different. What did I say? <laughs> April 2017. Sorry, let's, let's April 17th, guy. That's a big difference. That's a big difference. <laughs> 2010. Sorry about that. He said, quote, Peter Angelos, Orioles owner, I loathe you. Retire. Sell. You suck. The Orioles are one in 10. Week two, one in 10. You stole my childhood too. Give Baltimore a team. The best part about this is that it's before the Orioles got good in the mid-2010s and now bad again. A lot has changed in the world and I presumably in Cal Perry's life. But these tweets are still up and it is just great. (laughs) It's so funny that the guy currently running... Uh, the SVP of content for the Orioles has old tweets crapping on the current but, Orioles. But ownership. like, I I kind of love it. I mean, it's very possible they didn't know about this, but it's like, it's so relatable, you know? Like this guy, also, you know, it's not like he's moving into a baseball operations role. I mean, this, this guy's a, a, a career in journalism and, and yeah. is, is now a part of, you know, a con- chief content officer. Like this is more about the communications and the PR and everything marketing but this, the Orioles, okay, but it's great. Here's my take. This is good PR. The fact that these tweets came up, this is good PR. It might make his job a little bit harder in terms of the first time he meets, you know, the (laughs) Angelos brothers or whatever. But Orioles fans see this and they're like, that's my fucking guy. Yes, exactly. And it's like, this dude loves the Orioles. That should be a huge part of that. Presumably (laughs) that would help with the job process. It's probably part of why you got the job, right? Like. That is the kind of the levels of of passion that you're wanting. I mean, look, this happens in sports all the time. You hire someone from other and they become passionate. Like, of course, it's not like everyone in every front office is a fan of the team. But especially for this job, it's like, no, this is exactly who you kind of want running it. And it's just it's just hilarious. We we love it. So, uh, yeah, there's a bunch more, by the way. I mean, there's like a huge collection of Orioles. So you could check out the uh, on Lockdown Orioles. They have a whole thread of them. Some people were like, how do you not delete these? I think. This guy is galaxy braining us and he is a communications wizard. He's like, I'm going to leave these up. I'm going to let people find these and they're going to like the Orioles even more. Yes. Let's pivot it's Jordan so uh, to umps. Yes. I want to, this is, here. this will be our last topic of the day uh, before we say farewell. By the way, again, keep the emails coming. Baseballbarbercast at gmail.com. We appreciate those. We'll get to more of those in the coming weeks as the transactions slow down even further. Um, and the dead ball Mad Libs will return. Don't worry. But we had a little, little I, I think this is like pretty significant news here uh, and will kind of change the way we, we, we watch baseball because, Jake, 10 Major League Baseball umpires are retiring, many of umpires, which you are- Umpires retired, bitch. You are very familiar with if you are dorks like us. But honestly, I think even these are names that have kind of drifted into the, the more casual uh, fans. Um, this is the most uh, umps that have retired in one offseason uh, since 1999. 
Uh, this is Ted Barrett, who is the giant guy, the the six foot five uh, former boxer who everybody loves. He's one of the most well respected and and loved uh, umps in the game. This is Tom Hallian, Mister uh, Ass in the Jackpot, which is an all time umpire moment. Uh, I mean, other names that you're just used to hearing: the Sam Holbrooks. Jerry Meals, Bill Welke, like these are your crew chiefs, man. Now listen, I know people hate umpires, but this is where this is relevant because these umps, while they are very well respected in the game by the managers, you know, there's quotes from David Ross about how much he loves Ted Barrett, whatever. Because we have umpire, you know, strike zone tracking technology, and this is not why these guys retired. This is this is just all these guys are just older. The, we know which umps are better at calling balls and strikes than than others. And we know that the younger ones are a lot better than uh, than the older ones because the older ones have just been used to different strikes on. They're used to stuff, not everybody throwing 100. And what this means is that they're going to call up 10 umpires to be full-time umps. And the, what track record has shown is that every time they call up new umps, those new umps are the best at calling balls and strikes. And so if you are the kind of person that likes to tweet screenshots of MLB game day and saying, oh my God, they missed this call in the fourth inning. One, I don't like that and I wish people didn't do it more. But good news, I do believe that all the umps that are coming up in, in over the next year will be way better at calling balls and strikes than literally all the guys that just retired. And so congratulations to that. <laughs> the kids are all right. The kids are all right. You want more Pat Hobergs? They do exist. They are in AAA right now. They are not being called up because all these guys can umpire as long as they want. And this is what it takes to get more guys uh, and more and, and also more women. There's uh, This was mentioned in the story. We are going to have our first female umpire in the major leagues at some point soon, I think. Uh, Jen Paywall, who's been, uh, who's been umpiring in AA. So that's cool. But like, again, we will be getting better umpiring coming. It is a guarantee because that is what the trend has shown. And I think that is good. I love it. I absolutely so, love it. Salute, but, but hey, bad news. Angel Hernandez still, 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 still going. <laughs> it is funny that the umpires are like Supreme Court justices, right? <laughs> they just, they just get to do the job until they die or retire, as long as they want. Uh, all right. So anyway, just wanted to give that news. All right, that's it. Uh, we're done here on Baseball Barbecast. Any uh, final thoughts, Jake Mintz, before we say goodbye? Uh, it has been unseasonably warm here mm -hmm. in New York City. It has. It has, and again, a That's great it. departure from the negative 10. Uh, I'll just say happy birthday to my mom. It's my mom's birthday. So hey. happy birthday, mom. If you, if you, if my mom stuck through the uh, Eric Hosmer chat, she got to hear me say happy birthday. <laughs> so happy birthday to her. Uh, and we will be back uh, next week with more maybe not exciting transactions. Maybe, maybe we will have some exciting transactions. And hey, let's say we haven't even said his name on the whole podcast. Carlos Correa. What the fuck? All right, we'll talk oh, to you wait, next wait, week. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> One more actual serious thing before we go. The we we just have totally forgot about this last two shows. But Trevor Bauer. Oh, uh, okay. We yeah. Probably. I know it may be a weird time to mention this, but we I've literally just totally forgot. That is the decision of whether the Dodgers keep Trevor Bauer for the 2023 season. That happens tomorrow. Hilariously, January 6th. Bauer, you know the whole deal. If you're listening to this, suspended last two years. Uh, sexual assault allegations, MLB had their own investigation, suspended him a lot of games. By the time we record next week, we will have pretty definitive news on that and we'll talk about it in much more depth. Yes, yes, we will. Uh, until then, thank you for listening and we will be, uh, we'll talk to you. Have a good weekend. Goodbye.
Sirius XM Podcasts. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.